If you are empty tonight, if you're like a car without gasoline and you're empty tonight, um, God wants to fill you so that you can run properly. And if you're here tonight and you have filled yourself with other things, trying to fill the emptiness that you feel, and you're, you're actually here and you're full tonight, but you're not full of Jesus and grace, you're full of insecurities and anxieties and pride and guilt and shame, um, God wants to purge you of those things so that you might be filled with his abundant grace. So tonight, um, this is what we're going to talk about. What does it mean to let God, to let Jesus fill you? And so we're going to read a passage from Mark 6. This is printed on the back of your bulletin. Um, And just to give a little context of what we're going to read, um, the passage we're going to read, it's a story that takes place around the Sea of Galilee, which is um, in in Israel, modern-day Israel. It's in the north, and it's a sea that's about uh, 13 miles long and 7 miles across. And right prior to what the scene we're going to read, Jesus and his disciples were in Capernaum, which is a city in the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And they're headed across the lake to Bethsaida, which is in the northeast corner. And this this crowd follows them, and they end up walking about three and a half miles along the shore. They have no food, and they're hungry. Um, And then we see that that Jesus, we're told that that Jesus actually fills and feeds them. And we're told that at the end that he feeds 5,000 men. And this is, right, this is, First century, ancient Near East, it's patriarchy. Um, but what that means is 5,000 heads of household. So it could be more like 15,000 or 20,000 people. So I'm going to read this for us tonight. This is Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. You can follow along in your bulletin, or I think it's on the screen as well. This is God's word for us tonight. Um, it is true, and he gives it to us in love. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, so I want to tell you a story about a woman named Marina Abramovic. I think so you say her last name. She's an artist, and um, she had a famous exhibit in Chicago uh, about eight years ago called The Artist in, is Present. And it was a piece of performance art, and what she did was that she had a small square table, and she had two chairs on either side, and she would sit down in one of the chairs, and then anyone could come up and sit across from her. 
And what they would do is that people they just invited anyone to come up and sit across from her and then just to sit and she would, she would look at them and she would see them and she would make eye contact, eye contact with them for a minute. And um, as you watch, the, there's a video of this and it's fascinating to watch because people react in different ways. Like some people can't even last 30 seconds. Like they're so uncomfortable with someone actually looking at them, actually making eye contact with them and, and connecting with them that they, they can't handle it. Um, other people sit and, and sit and, and receive her, um, her, her sight, her gaze, and break down crying. Um, it's this, this powerful thing where she actually sees people. And many of them have probably never had anyone sit across from them at a table and look at them and see them. And someone is finally seeing them. Seeing them and seeing them and what's going on in their lives for the first time. And what's happening in this passage is that Jesus sees the needs of the people. It's like for the first time, for them, someone is sitting down across the table from them and looking at them. And those people who are sitting across from Marina, she's, she's giving people what they're longing for. Like the fact that people line up and wait hours to sit across the table from her. She's filling them with, with just with making eye contact and being present. She's filling them with love and attention, this love and attention that they've been aching for. And they're finally getting it. They're finally getting filled. They're being emptied out by their tears and filled with her gaze. And that's what Jesus does for empty people. That's what he does for a world that's longing to be satisfied. And the claim that this text is making for us tonight is that Jesus is going to bring his fullness into your emptiness. So um, our outline, if you want to follow around, is that Jesus sees you in your hunger He seeks you in your poverty, and he satisfies you with his abundance. So first, he sees you in your hunger. hunger. So in this passage, we see that Jesus actually sees two groups of people. There's two groups of hungry people in this passage. First are his apostles, and then the great crowd. So his apostles, this is a group of 12 men that Jesus has appointed um, as his disciples, his apostles, to establish the church. And so when you see apostles in the Bible, you should think church. He's talking about the church. And so they are with Jesus. This is the church with Jesus. And then when you see and hear a great crowd, particularly in this passage, um, I want you to think about the world, like the, the watching world outside of the church. So in the passage right before this, Jesus had sent the apostles out to do ministry in his name. So they go and they're healing and they're casting out demons and they return to Jesus and they're tired, they're exhausted. They're also exhilarated for ministry. And he invites them to come away with him to a desolate place and rest. And we're told that it's really busy, that there are people coming and going, that they didn't even have time to eat, um, which I know is something that's familiar to y'all, not having time to eat um, because things are so busy. And so Jesus sees them in their need. He sees their fatigue and their hunger, and he says, he says to them, come away with me so we can rest. And so the apostles, they go away with Jesus. They got in a boat. They begin to set sail across the sea so that he can take them away with him. But then this great crowd sees them. And they begin to run along the shore and gather other people from the towns and villages. And they end up running ahead of him so that when Jesus and his apostles, when they get to the place that they're going, um, there's already this great crowd there waiting for them. And we're told that he sees the great crowd. He has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he begins to teach them. And I want you to see in this that Jesus sees you in your needs. He sees the needs of the apostles. He sees the needs of the crowds. He sees you in your needs. Notice what he doesn't do. Doesn't, Jesus doesn't say when, they, when the crowds come to him, he doesn't say, well, they'll figure it out. 
He doesn't say, well, I'm with the apostles, I'm with the church. The world can figure it out on their own. Instead, what he does is he sees the needs of the world. He sees that they're hungry. He has compassion. He looks to his disciples and he says, we need to feed them. And friends, I don't know where you're coming from tonight, um, what you've gone through this week. I don't know where you're hurting, where you feel empty, where you've been filling yourself with other things. But I, I want you to know that Jesus sees you, that Jesus is alive and he sees you. And he sees your needs and he wants to do something about it. This goes to our second point, that Jesus seeks you. He seeks you in your poverty. And I want you to see that in this passage, Jesus seeks, he seeks these, these people both in confrontation and a question. So he's teaching these, this great crowd. Um, it starts to get late. And then Jesus' disciples, the apostles, come up to him. And they say, hey, we're in the middle of nowhere. It's getting late. We need to dismiss everyone so they can go get something to eat. And so the disciples are feeling this growing crisis, right? They've got a large group of people, 15 to 20,000 people out in the middle of nowhere. Everyone's getting hungry. And they say, we need to send them away because we can't feed them. And rather than relieving the crisis, Jesus confronts them. He confronts his disciples. He says, well, then you give them something to eat. I wonder what this would have felt like, right? To, to come with this need, this very clear need that they see, and Jesus to turn it around. Um, this, to get this like, unreasonable, seemingly impossible command from Jesus, you give them something to eat. There's a question for us in that. It's like, what do you do with, what do you do with your poverty? Like, not like your, your, um, your lack, your need. What do you do when you see a need that you cannot meet? What do you do when you experience like not being enough, not feeling like you're enough? The disciples give us two responses here that I think are helpful for us. He said, they respond both with cynicism and then with fatalism. So first, listen to their cynicism. They say to Jesus, what are we going to do? Are we going to go buy 200 denarii of bread and give it to them to eat? And a denarii was a one day's um, wage for work. And so this is 200 days worth of, of wages. Um, that's at like minimum wage that's like $12,000, $15,000. So the disciples are saying, they're looking out at the crowds, they see how many people are there, they make a rough estimate, right, between fifteen and 20,000 people, and they say, Jesus, it would take about $15,000 to feed these people one meal. And Jesus' confrontation reveals their cynicism, right? They're saying, like, what do you want us to do? We're not going to spend $15,000 on food for them. Where are we going to get that kind of cash? And they're focused in this on what they lack, they're focused on what they lack, but Jesus focuses on what they possess. He then asks them this question. He says, how many loaves do you have? And where they only see the impossibility of these people's hunger, Jesus sees possibilities. And to this question, how many loaves do you have, they respond with fatalism. They say, they say, what? They say five, like this one word, five. This is all we've got. We've got five and two fish. Um, they could have responded differently, right? They could have said, we have five loaves for you to do a miracle with, right? Up until this point, what's been going on in Mark's gospel is that these men have been with Jesus and they have seen him literally shush a storm. They've seen him drive thousands of demons out of a man. They've seen him heal a bleeding woman. They've seen him raise a little girl from the dead. They have seen Jesus do this miraculous work and on top of that, they had just come back from casting out demons and healing sick people in Jesus' name. 
And their answer to Jesus' question is this curt one syllable five and two fish. Fatalism. This is all we've got. Like, we can't do it. All we've got is five and two fish. And John's gospel, when telling this story, this is actually the only story of Jesus' life that's told in all four gospels. Um, and in John's gospel, he adds the detail that these were barley loaves. And this is like, barley loaves were the, the tasteless food that, that the poor ate. Like, this is the, the, the poorest of the poor ate this food. And the fish was actually like this, this fish paste that they would spread on the bread. So they're saying, this is what we've got. Like, cheap bread and fish paste. This is not enough. How are you going to feed all these people? Do you know what this feels like to have not enough um, in your prayers to say, God, like I could share the good news of you with my friends or my family, but it just feels so little. It feels so insignificant, so weak in the face of the world's needs. I think most of us find ourselves in either of these two camps. Either we see the, word, the needs of the world and we respond with cynicism, yeah, right, Jesus. There's no way. This kind of hard-edged skepticism. Or we respond with fatalism, the sort of soft-edged resignation. What we've got is not enough. Five. Now, what is Jesus doing here? Why is Jesus seeking the disciples with this confrontation that draws them out, um, draws out their cynicism? Why this question that draws out their fatalism? I think what's going on here is that Jesus wants them to bring their poverty, to bring their not enoughness to him. Jesus is wanting them to name the thing that they're ashamed of, like this reality of we can't feed, feeling that terror of 20,000 people in five loaves and two fish and bringing that to Jesus, to, to bring it to light, to exposing this reality of like what I have is just not enough. And the reason Jesus is doing this is because he wants He's seeking your participation to meet the needs of the world. What this story is showing us is that the way that Jesus meets the needs of the world is through your labors. Right? He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He wants you to join, you, join him. He wants to work through you. And he wants you in on what he's doing. He sees your need. He sees you in your need. He seeks you in your poverty and in your hunger. And third, he satisfies you with his abundance. How does Jesus satisfy this crowd? Well, he does it in two ways. Look with me at verse 39 first. He makes them sit down in groups in the green grass. Jesus makes you rest. And I'm not sure how Jesus says this. Um, actually, in verse 38, or yeah, it's verse, uh, verse 39 that he commands them. I'm not sure how, how what, you know, we don't know what Jesus, his tone was as he told people to sit down, if it was like an order, sit down in the green grass, or if it was more of like a gentle, gracious invitation, this invitation for them to take a seat. Um, but I love this detail. Like, why does it say green grass, right? There are, this is, um, there are very few descriptors in this passage, but we get green grass. I think what's going on is Mark is showing us that it's springtime. This is, they're in the evening, it's springtime, springtime, the sun is setting, full green grass. Think, think the upper quad in the spring. Freshman, it really is beautiful uh, <laughs> once the grass actually grows. Um, but just think, like, being outside on a warm spring day with the cool breeze in the air, the sun is setting, you can see the beauty of the sunset. Um, right? The spring flowers are probably blooming. The, the birds are making noise. And um, Jesus tells people to sit down. 
and to rest. Or you can imagine these groups of 50 or 100, their families, their kids running around and playing. People are doing nothing. They're talking. They're watching the sunset. They're watching the, wa- the, the sun as it hits the water of the, of the lake. They're telling stories. I don't know, they're laughing, watching the kids play. This is what Jesus wants to give you. The radical claim of Christianity is that the only way you are actually going to be satisfied is as if you rest in what Jesus has done for you. And this is not the way the world works. There's an article in the September um, edition of The Atlantic called Meritocracy Harms Everyone. And in this article, the author, who's a professor at Yale Law School, um, he claims that America is a meritocracy. What is a meritocracy? Meritocracy is a social system where you gain worth based on your merit. The harder you work, the more you labor, the longer hours you put in, the more accolades and worth you gain. Right? Y'all know this. The meritocracy is the treadmill of success that many of you have been on since middle school. If I work more, if I produce more, if I work harder, then I'll be rewarded with a higher reward and more accolades. So in, the, in this article, the author, um, Daniel Markovitz, uses Amazon as a prime example, that was a pun intended, um, of, uh, of the meritocracy. This is what he writes. He says, today the higher a person climbs on the org chart, the, the harder she is expected to work. Amazon's leadership principles call for managers to have relentlessly high standards and to deliver results. The company tells managers that when they hit the wall at work, the only solution is to climb the wall. Y'all, this is what the world is telling you. It isn't telling you to rest. It is telling you that when you hit a wall, you're supposed to climb harder. And I want you to see that what Jesus is offering you is something that you will not get anywhere else. He is saying, will you just come? Will you just come and sit in the green grass and watch the sunset and let me feed you and let me fill you? So I love going out to eat um, And it's because you show up at a restaurant and a person there says, can I seat you? And then they show you your seat and then they hand you a piece of paper that tells you all the food that you can eat. And then somebody else makes the food for you. I mean, this is amazing. Someone else makes the food for you. You don't work for it. um, You don't prepare it. And they present you this food and then you're expected just to sit there and eat and be full. I mean, it's the best. Restaurants are the best. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, I want you to come and sit and rest and let me feed you. And he doesn't just make you rest. He fills you. Look at verse 40. It says, they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up at heaven. He said a blessing. He broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and the fish, and all who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. The grace of Jesus means that when you are exhausted and tired and guilty and empty, he will fill you, and his grace will never run out. As much as you want, you can bask in it and sit in it and linger in it, and there is always more for you. And it's for everyone who comes to Jesus. He will never run out. Look at that detail in verse 42, all eight. Everyone ate, and they were satisfied. And the amazing thing is that there are 12 basketfuls left over. And this, for the the original audience of Mark, would have immediately triggered their imaginations to think about the 12 tribes of Israel that represented the people of God. 
And then in the New, New Testament, the 12 apostles represent the church. That This is calling out the 12 apostles that represent the church. And it's saying that after feeding the world, Jesus is saying, I've just satisfied the world, this great crowd, they've eaten as much as they've wanted, and the church too. I have enough left to satisfy you, as much as you want. Friends, Jesus is the answer to your longings, to your hunger, and to your emptiness. And I want to end with just a couple of questions. First, the question, how does Jesus offer himself to the world? How does he offer himself to the world? Well, he offers himself to the world through the church. The apostles were the one who took Jesus' bread and he gave it to the people. This is saying Jesus wants to use the church. I think it's really interesting that there's nothing in this about how Jesus multiplied the bread. Like, none of the gospel accounts have that. Like, I'm really curious, what did he do? Like, did he turn around? Like, how did he, um, how did he do this? What is, there's nothing in it. We're just told that it's just this ordinary work of breaking the bread and handing it off. It's this, um, this ordinary act of breaking bread that feeds the world. And this is why when you go to church and when you come to RUF, we simply open the Bible and we read it. And then the pastor says what the Bible says. It's simple. Just a curious, don't raise your hand. Um, how many sermons have you really remembered in your life? <laughs> Probably not very many, right? But every week you receive the ordinary bread of Jesus. Every week you're filled with his grace and his good news every week. Just a question for you in this. What other solutions do you offer your friends beside Jesus? What other solutions do you offer your friends beside Jesus? The needs of your friends, your needs, the needs of your family, what, what other solutions do you offer them? When you see their hunger, when you experience your own hunger, what do you offer to fill them? And I just got to say, I mean, this is a convicting question for me, um, but I think this is why so many of us get addicted to materialism or to our own performance. Like, it's why we get stuck in giving one another trite Christian platitudes or why we might rely on like a sense of humor to make someone feel better. See, what we do when we're doing this, we're trying to fill a spiritual need with a physical thing. And Jesus is saying that the only way you are going to satisfy your hunger, the only way that you are going to quiet that deep ache, the only way that you are going to be filled is through me. Jesus offers himself to the world through you, through the church, but through you. Like in here, y'all, Jesus offers himself to the world through y'all. Jesus fed this enormous crowd with five loaves and two fish. 20,000 people with a few pieces of bread and fish paste. What Jesus is saying here is that he can use your not enough and create a feast. Now, I don't know how you view yourself, but I know that a lot of you, when you are up against the pressure and the expectations that are on you academically, socially, in your family, like you, you, this is what you feel. You feel that you're not enough. You feel this, this not enoughness. And I don't know how you think God views you, what you think the look is on his face when he thinks of you. But here's what I know. Jesus doesn't need you. Like, he doesn't need you at all. I mean, he takes not enough food and makes a feast out of it. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And many of you feel, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not Christian enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not well-read enough. 
I've made too many mistakes on weekends. I'm definitely not good enough. I'm not enough. I have nothing to offer. And Jesus says, that's enough. He says, that's enough. Are you willing to follow me and let me satisfy you and satisfy the needs of the world through you? Jesus is somehow able to take our not enough and create a feast. He's able to take what is ugly about us and make it beautiful. To take our honest doubt and to turn it into praise. To take our sorrow and to transform it into peace. Jesus even says that he can turn death into life. Jesus satisfies us abundantly with his grace. For he sees you in your need. He seeks you in your poverty. He satisfies you by making you rest and filling you with what he's done for you. And what has he done for you? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. This is the confession of the church. He has given himself fully to you, his life for yours, so that he might give you life and rest and fullness in himself and feed the world through you. This is an invitation. I just want to end by telling you a a short story uh, about two of my friends who are pastors and about 10 years ago, they both worked for RUF in Georgia. And after their RUF on Tuesday nights, they'd go to this, this bar together in town and have a drink. And they built a relationship with the bartender there. And um, one time when they're sitting at the bar talking to him, they learn from him that he, um, he had an affair and his wife had just left him and they were getting a divorce. And so my friend um, who's telling me this story, he says that in that moment, he said, I didn't know what to tell him. I had no idea what to say. No idea. And what do you say to someone who shares that with you? No idea what to say. And the other guy looks the bartender in the face and says, that's why we need God's grace. And the bartender kind of brushes him off and says, yeah, right. And he just looks at him. He says, no, seriously, that's why we need God's grace. And then they went off together and they had a conversation. Friends, that's what we have to offer to the world his fullness for the emptiness of our lives. And I don't know what happened to that man, but for that night, he was able to receive Jesus as a possibility to fill the emptiness of his life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the story that you've preserved for us. We thank you that you you know our emptiness, you know our not enoughness, you know our hunger, uh, and you feed us. Lord, I pray for my friends who feel empty and hungry. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would feed them and fill them. Uh, We pray this in...